The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Luke. Jesus told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and regarded others with contempt. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, was praying thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, thieves, rogues, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of all my income. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even look up to heaven, but was beating his breast and saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his home justified rather than the other. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled, but all who humble themselves will be exalted. The Gospel of the Lord. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. <clears throat> So you've heard this story about two people who went to the synagogue to pray. One was a Pharisee. So that's a member of the strictest sect within Judaism whose members studied and worked to keep God's law as perfectly as possible. And the other was a tax collector. Now, if you think that's unpopular today, <laughs> you should have known them then. Today, after all, they work for a government that we elect. And they collect our money for purposes that our representatives choose, whether it be subsidizing tobacco farmers or subsidizing the medical care for the people who use the tobacco. <laughs> but they also collect our taxes to provide a police force and food for the hungry, training programs for the unemployed, social security for those who are retired, and the medical care we all need sometimes. Then... It was different. Taxes went to support a government that they had not chosen, government of a foreign power. Their taxes went to pay the Roman soldiers who occupied their land. And they were authorized to collect whatever they could and keep whatever was left over. So the Pharisees, by and large, were the best people in town, and the tax collectors were the worst. And yet... <clears throat> Uh, I, I would imagine that just about any parish priest would be happy to have a dozen or so Pharisees in the church. I mean, can you imagine uh, finding in your parish, say, a dozen people who fast twice a week, give 10% of everything they own to the church? Well, if we had a few of those, every church, think how much we would get done. But what Jesus tells us is that this model citizen, this outstanding member of the congregation, was wasting his time. And the bad guy, the hated tax collector, whose whole way of life was a violation of the commandments, that man was the model to follow. Is this the gospel? <laughs> so, okay, let's not tithe, let's not fast, let's not contribute or obey the commandments, let's do what we want and come to church on Sunday and say, Lord, have mercy. That what Jesus meant? Well, you know, we had another story a couple weeks ago, if you remember, of Dives and Lazarus, in which Lazarus is rewarded and Dives is punished, not for their behavior, not for their ethics, not for their religion, but 
simply to balance out the books. That's all. And now a story in which condemnation and commendation are handed out solely because the good man takes pride in his goodness and the bad man regrets his way of life. But both the stories and both men in this story bring us back to the same underlying understanding that you cannot earn God's favor. That is the simplest and hardest lesson in all the gospel. It is the simplest and hardest teaching of the Christian faith. We cannot earn God's gifts. We cannot work our way into heaven. We cannot ever deserve God's love. Cannot. 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 And that is bad news if that's what you hope to do. But good news if you are willing simply to accept a priceless gift without a price. Remember the story of the rich young man who came to Jesus and asked, What must I do to be saved? Jesus said, give away everything you've got and follow me. In one form or another, I think the question he asked is the basic human question. What do I need to do to make my life complete? To give it purpose, to give it meaning, what must I do? Jesus' answer is, follow me. But, but Lord, don't, don't you want me to work really hard at something? Don't you want me to say three Hail Marys and six Our Fathers? Don't you want me to give uh, 10% when the canvasser comes around in the fall and fast on Sundays and read the Bible every day and obey the Ten Commandments and make up a list of things that you want me to do and other things you want me not to do? Shouldn't there be some way I can demonstrate how much I love God or how much I want to get into heaven or both? No. You can't. I mean, even logically, if, if someone gives you a billion dollars and you give them back a tenth as a thank you, do you really think you can come back the next day and say, you know, if you give me another billion, I'll give you another tenth? Can you really expect to get back ten times what you put in? Or, or to reverse it again, can you set aside ten percent of the maple leaves on a New England hillside or 10% of the sunshine on a day like this 10% of the air you breathe 10% of the joy in your life 10% of the sorrow if life is a gift to be paid for can you ever really pay back what's due oh we try we do try the history of religion is the history of human efforts to pay God back Human sacrifice, animal sacrifice, self-sacrifice, grain offerings, rituals, prayers, meditation, works of charity, going to church, serving on committees, making cookies for the bake sale. All of it, at some level, comes from that deep, deep human need to try to balance the books, to pay God back. And none of them, none of them, none of them can even begin to do it because God is so much more and God's gift of love is so much greater Martin Luther in the 16th century 
looked around and saw Christians trying to buy their way into heaven by their offerings, by their prayers, by their going to mass, by their making pilgrimages. And he tried it himself and became incredibly discouraged. And he stumbled finally on words in the epistle to the Hebrews where Paul had written, By faith you are saved through grace. And Luther added the word, Alone. By faith alone you are saved and he kindled the Reformation. But 450 years later, nearly 450 years later, at least that, whether you go to a funeral in a Protestant church or a Roman Catholic church or even, I'm afraid, an Episcopal church, you will probably at that funeral hear a eulogy that tells you and tells God, be sure that God knows, all the good things that the deceased person has done as if it made a difference as if Luther had never lived as if St. Paul had never written we still have that terrible need in a world where every effect has a cause where nothing ever happens without a reason to give God a cause and a reason to like us and we never can but knowing that is the fundamental basis of a true and living faith. By faith, we are saved through grace. Do you believe God loves you? Do you believe Jesus died for you? Do you trust in that belief and that alone? Is that the basis on which your life is built? If so, what more could God ask? If it is, if we know the love of God, well, is it any wonder that we would want to tithe and pray and fast and make cookies for the bake sale and serve on committees and teach church school and help our neighbor and give endlessly to others and never ask anything for ourselves because we already have more than we could ever earn, more than we could ever deserve. And therefore, we would want to respond with all we are and all we have to the gracious God who has given us so much. Our gospel, as a friend of mine likes to say, is a gospel of love and abundance, not fear and scarcity. But you see the difference? Not to earn, but to respond. The age-old debate between faith and works never really needs to happen. It's not either or. Episcopalians, Anglicans have been trying to teach this to the world for centuries. It is not either or. It is both and. Both and. But first faith. First faith. And then, sure, the response of all we can give and all we can do. I should have checked because next Sunday is all saints tied and a lot of churches are not going to read the regular gospel next Sunday. They're going to skip the story that would come next. I don't know if you're going to do that. I'll tell you the story anyway, just briefly. Because it happens to be about another, another tax collector. And this time it's a real one, not one in the parable. A real tax collector named Zacchaeus. And you know the story. Zacchaeus, he climbed a tree, our Lord to see. He lived in Jericho. And when Jesus came by on the way to Jerusalem, he climbed that tree in order to see Jesus better. And Jesus looked up and said, <clears throat> Come down, Zacchaeus. I'm going to eat in your house today. 
And Zacchaeus said, half of all my goods I give to the poor. Whatever I have defrauded, I will restore fourfold. And you see, that's what happens. Where the free and gracious love of God is known, even a tax collector's heart melts. And there is no way to measure what we have received or what we will try to give. God reaches out, calls us down from our trees. God pours out love, and we can never do enough in return. Nor does God ask us to. God asks only that we have faith and that we let that faith control our lives. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.